Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Voices of Reason. This is Amy Donaldson, and I have a, a new co-host today, today only, this special, uh, Jason Comstock, who is my co-host on We Happy Few, our veterans podcast. Uh, is Excited fill- to be here. Yeah, so is you. filling in for Jason Lee, uh, who I believe is doing his last NBA trip, or it, it possibly is also his pre-holiday go see his parents so he's on a trip um so jason uh graciously agreed to fill in sort of last minute i was like woo i need somebody i need some help because i really have wanted to talk about um uh sort of the tax cuts but then like immediately after the tax cuts were passed um i noticed a a friend of ours uh craig bowden on facebook talking about um, helping and organizing a referendum. And I had wondered, that, just for people who know, let's, let's introduce Craig first. Craig is a former Libertarian candidate for Senate. Um, and then um, you're sort of helping organize this, and you're just, a, you're just a regular citizen, a dad, you know, just doing a veteran, doing your thing, right? Correct, yeah. Uh, I had a political stint there for a while trying to give a voice, uh, uh, running for the U S Senate. Um, but otherwise I'm just a homeschooling dad, uh, re- medically retired veteran, just kind of chilling and found out that this tax cut was, or not tax cut, but a uh, tax bill was passed and wanted to get involved in trying to get this stopped and reversed. Okay. So let's talk about that. Let's first talk about, so this was passed last Thursday night, right? Is that are we correct? Because we're on we're on this is Wednesday, December eighteenth. We're recording this, um, and so almost a week ago, um, the tax reform package was passed in a special session. Um, I want to say it like nine or ten at night. It was later at night, um, and nobody saw it until right before it was debated. And I know it was amended a couple of times, and um, and interestingly. Because it was there was a technical amendment in the House, it had to go back to the Senate, and one senator had left, and so it didn't get a two thirds majority in either Senate or House, which made it vulnerable to two things: it 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 doesn't take effect for sixty days, and also it was subject to a citizens' referendum, and there were journalists who asked um, our legislative leadership about the possibility of a referendum, and and they were pretty I thought they were pretty confident saying. No citizen is going to try to repeal, um, you know, $160 million in tax cuts. 
And uh, <laughs> I thought, hmm, I don't know. I don't see a lot of support for this. I didn't see it amongst people who advocate for the poor. And I didn't see it amongst people who were really supportive of education. Um, even people who, you know, were not huge supporters of public education. Like they may have been charter school, you know, you know homeschool, private school. But there was just this idea that, this was not the way to everyone agrees the tax code needs an overhaul the tax the way we you know tax ourselves i've thought it i think it needs a lot of overhaul but but that's a different conversation anyway i understood that some revenues were in decline needs were not in decline we have to fix that but i think it was a sort of um this special session idea and i felt like uh aspects of it were <sighs> It was, I felt like you were robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, and I felt like it was, let's just make it clearer and easier rather than we're going to cut your taxes in one place, but we're also going to charge you more taxes on gas and food, um, which is something, you know, I, I thought was a huge mistake. Um, Craig, what was it about these tax, um, this tax package or this reform that you disagreed with or that caused you to want to get involved in the referendum effort? Uh, the first thing that alarmed me actually was uh, math. Um, essentially, they, they are touting this as, you know, a, a huge cut in that people are supposed to be getting, uh, as was mentioned, something like $179, uh, something like that on average mm-hmm. per person here in Utah. The problem that I have is when you actually look at it, I mean, yes, it's accurate when you are only looking at those who qualify with the credits that are being offered mm-hmm. and only looking at the income tax decrease, the total of those two, the average would end up being probably somewhere right around in that range. Mm-hmm. But then they also have the gas tax. They also have the uh, service taxes that were just passed. You know, So there was a lot more stuff that ends up adding up to a much higher number than what they're claiming you're going to get a net benefit of. And so me being a math nerd, uh, kind of crunched the numbers a little bit and it it just equaled out to where most people probably aren't going to be seeing much of anything, if anything at all. And a lot of people are actually going to be getting hurt really bad. Mm -hmm. The second thing that really stood out for me is under the credit system that they're talking about, there's supposedly going to be a prebate that is going to be determined based on your filing with taxes mm-hmm. and um, also some credits that are going to be applied on top of that when you file your taxes. Yeah. And let me, the we should say the, pre, the prebate was, oh, will preemptively give you what you would get on your taxes in 2021 because they didn't want you to have to wait. And I felt that was, let's give you money before the election because we don't want you to be mad at us for, mm-hmm. for changing because the tax on food and gas and veterinary services and, and thing and haircuts, stuff like that, that was going in, that's going into effect in April. So I felt like, eh, I think you just want us to Get that $125 so we don't hate you so much. But that was just my opinion. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Craig. Yeah, I, I can't really speak to the motive uh, per se. Yeah, but I'll do that one for you. thing that I do know is individuals who are just above uh, the ability to get assistance, they're living in a large part paycheck to paycheck. I mean, one paycheck goes awry, and you're talking about some severe you know, financial 
hardships. Um, it actually happened to me earlier uh, this year where my pay got messed up and next thing I knew I was on the verge of losing everything. So I understand that kind of level. And so those individuals can't wait to get any kind of prebate or wait for a credit because they're having to budget their groceries week by week, every two weeks, or in the cases of some individuals like uh, say disabled veterans, uh, once a month. And so they already have everything budgeted. So even if you're talking about, well, it's only going to raise, you know, the food by, you know, $8 a month, that $8 is a big deal for somebody who's only making $1,600 a week, you know, or, you know, what, whatever lower amounts you're talking about. Um, so especially in the middle class and your lower middle class, they're going to be hit extremely hard with this food tax. And then when you add the gas tax on top of it, mm -hmm. it it's just not feasible to wait for those credits. We're going to take and another little hey, thing that they didn't really look at at least that I've noticed is that when gas taxes are applied, we, we, we have a transportation based economy. Our food is delivered by delivery trucks. Our products are delivered by delivery trucks. You know, everything that we consume is getting delivered. And so what ends up happening is the prices on everything also go up on top of the tax. So you actually end up with a double dip with this system. Okay. Um, we're going to take a little break and when we come back, I'm going to talk about how you got involved in this referendum process and sort of what that will mean. So you're listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Voices of Reason. This is Amy Donaldson with my fabulous guest host, Jason Comstock. Thank you. Um, and we are uh, joined by Craig Bowden, who is a concerned citizen, right? I mean, that's probably the best label <laughs> to give you, but also a former libertarian candidate for Senate, veteran. And um, uh, how did you get involved in this? I mean, how did this come about? Uh, essentially, I got added into a Facebook group by a friend, uh, received uh, an invite um, that, that was discussing the possibility of a tax referendum. Uh, it was started by Fred Cox, a uh, former representative here in Utah. And as I got you know, to posting, you know, hey, I'm willing to help collect signatures up in Cache County, um, it, it just started cascading from there. And next thing I know, I'm getting put in as an admin and, 
uh, people are starting to kind of lean on some of my uh, expertise that I had from when I ran for the U.S. Senate, uh, kind of having that campaign experience, uh, experience from Proposition 2, uh, items like that. And so it just kind of cascaded and uh, evidently wound up in kind of a leadership role. So, so Craig, just a question. You mentioned Proposition 2. So what makes a referendum different from an initiative? Uh, and And I ask that because it kind of felt like uh, the voters spoke. They said, hey, we want some of these things, Prop 2 being one of those examples. And then the legislature just chose to disregard that and, well, just to well, disregard it. Well, change it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To, yes. to, impose so, their, to impose their view so, of what you wanted. So what makes this different? And what makes us, uh, as as voters and citizens, if we were to get involved, know that this is going to go anywhere? You know, it's actually one of the most common concerns that we're getting when people are coming into the group. I mean, obviously, one, how can I help? And two, it's, is this going to even do any good? Um, so with the referendum, uh, what, once the signatures are collected, essentially what it does is it's going to put a stop to the law. So it's not going to go automatically into effect uh, when it's supposed to. And it's going to go all the way to November, uh, where the voters are going to get to decide whether or not to keep it or scrap it. And it's not something that can really be tweaked. It's not something that, you know, well, let's go ahead and just kind of change some language a little bit. It's literally just a, a yes or a no on whether we keep the law or get rid of it. And, and on top of that, every single one of the uh, legislators who did vote in favor, their name is going to be attached to this the entire time. So there's also a possibility that you start looking at uh, primaries where they may end up getting primaried and lose their seats. Uh, it ends up where in the general election, they're not, they may not be looked as favorably upon. Um, so they kind of get attached with this rider for the entire election season. And meanwhile, we don't have to worry about the law going into effect and messing with any of Utah citizens. Uh, now with an initiative, what happened with Prop 2 is there was some bargaining that went on uh, ju just before the election happened, and they basically put out a an alternate uh, version, so to speak, and said, this is what we are willing to do. And so uh, it, it was kind of a compromise with organizers um, in that regard. Yeah. Um, but th they're not going to have the opportunity to do that this time. So this is a huge ask, though. You have to gather 116,000 signatures in 40 days. Or maybe is that is that less than that now since it's been almost a week? Um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, you do have 40 days from when uh, the session ends. Um, so we, we are on a ticking clock and then you have to wait for, you know, the lieutenant governor's office to approve the petition and everything like that. And, and you need um, 160,000 so you need you need 116,000 unique signatures and they have to be registered registered, registered voters. So you actually need to shoot mm -hmm. higher than in every county. You got to yeah. do every county or twenty nine, uh, tw at least twenty nine of the counties. I believe. Oh, is that right? Is. Okay. Uh, I, I believe it's uh, with, with a referendum. Uh, it's fifteen out of the twenty nine counties have to meet their thresholds okay. for a total of one hundred and sixteen thousand signatures. Um, so the, it, it's a slightly smaller threshold, but because of the slightly smaller threshold, you also get less time to get it done. And why was the decision made not to use uh, paid signature collectors? 
Um, that, that was ultimately uh, Fred Cox's call. Um, he believes that because of the n- amount of people who were not okay with the, the legislature passing this law, that we would be able to find enough support without having to do paid signatures. And I can honestly say that after being involved, I, I actually reflect that myself. In the last three days, we've had approximately 9.3 thousand people uh, start signing up to either donate or help gather petitions. So, I mean, it's been an overwhelming groundswell of people saying, hey, count me in. It'll be interesting to see if you even need the 40 days, right? Because you guys will kind of keep track of how this is going and, and, and submitting those. Is the goal to get more than that? Because there's always signatures that are eliminated, right, in any of these processes. You know, of course, uh, there's going to be a time period where there's going to be uh, the ability to allow people to remove signatures. Um, they also have to review the signatures uh, where there may be a possible challenge as to whether or not somebody's a voter, uh, things like that. Just like any other kind of referendum or any other kind of initiative or ballot drive, uh, ballot access, anything along those lines. And this is a this is a um, pen so and paper signature. Cor- is this a this is a pen and paper signature? Correct. Uh, if it was online, we'd probably already be done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about how this is going to work logistically and how people can get involved. You're listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. Welcome back to the Voices of Reason. This is Amy Donaldson alongside my uh, substitute co-host, uh, the J- the other Jason <laughs> here at Loudmouth Media, Jason Comstock. Uh, he's actually my co-host on We Happy Few, an amazing veterans podcast you should check out if you have not already done so. Um, and we're here with Craig Bowden, uh, a good friend of ours. You've been on the show a few times. Uh, we pick on you quite a lot, actually. Um, and uh, former Libertarian Senate candidate and... Uh, Actually, just a fun guy to follow because your uh, commentary is so uh, unique. I mean, uh, I noticed one of the things that you posted was that this isn't bipartisan. This isn't just two parties. This is, you know, polypartisan. This is like a, a, a huge spectrum of philosophical um, and ideological views who are opposed to this. Just give me a flavor for that. Like how many different types and that, you know, the spectrum of people who are involved in this? Uh, Well, obviously you've got me, I'm a libertarian, and I do know that there's a lot of members of the libertarian party that have kind of joined hands in this. Uh, You've also got a lot of Democrats. As a matter of fact, there wasn't any Democrats that ended up voting for this in the legislature. Um, So the Democrats are pretty up in arms about it as well. Um, Republicans, uh, a a lot of their voters are saying, really, you're going to raise some taxes? Uh, you've got Greens uh, that, that I'm friends with, that I met on the campaign trail, that are getting active and involved. You've got Independents, Independent American Party. You've got Constitution Party. Um, and, and then just your good old-fashioned independents that chose to not affiliate with any party. Um, so we're really running the entire spectrum of the entire political debate. Um, it, it's literally just those few in the legislature that decided, that they wanted to do this, uh, and it was really unpopular. I, I believe our polling was showing something along the lines of 68% of the state did not want this. Well, and I think here's one of the reasons is um, 
a lot of the groups that um, that came out against it were groups that have a lot of public trust. Utahns Against Hunger, uh, the UEA. I know the legislature doesn't like them, but I think a lot of people who are supportive of public ed, they feel like they speak for teachers and educators and they were opposed to it. And I also think people were saying like, you know, we're already like either dead last or close to dead last in education spending. Why would you why would you change the, you know, why would you try to give a rebate on, on this and, or, and not, you know, change this tax structure? And then I think there was also, for me, this the shell game that went on. So, yeah, we're going to cut your income tax, but then we're going to give your municipality the right to tax you um, through a property tax, a hike that would help education. And, um, and then also, um, you know, I'm paying more for food. And like you said, everything gets delivered. And so I just thought, you know, in the end, I think I'm going to be, like you say, paying a lot more. Now, everybody will argue, we will argue about this a lot, but I've talked to some people that I trust very much who've really crunched numbers and they don't think this is a good deal. And I trust them. And, uh, but I also just don't know um, that it's good policy not to have this bill out. It was a re- really thick, lengthy bill. I don't know how many, you know, over 100 pages. Um, that we it was two hundred and one. Two hundred and one. That we couldn't have that out and have some time to process and analyze and really, you know, come. I I think part of the reason we have unintended consequences in legislation process is because we don't have um, a really thorough discussion before we pass something. We just want to pass something. We want to win. We want to feel like we did something. And so, um, I think that's maybe more. Um, my issue with this, but I guess when you're talking to these people who are from all these different um, philosophical views, um, like, did they feel that it was going to be this easy to get this kind of support? Or do you feel like sometimes you're just an island out here? Nobody, you know, what was the kind of the sense of, as this is going down, did you guys know this? Or was this something completely after the fact? that you were going to do the referendum? You know, I, I don't know that we necessarily predicted that it was going to have this much broad support. Um, but one of the things that we found that started happening, which was pretty organic within the Facebook group, is that essentially people started sharing their stories and their ideas and uh, why they were against it. And so that kind of removed those islands where people didn't really feel like they were alone. And then as administrators, as, you know, moderators within the group, um, we've also been squashing any kind of partisan squabbles. Um, we're not focused on any kind of policies with replacement. Um, the, the first step, plain and simple, is, you know, we got to squash this bill. And then maybe we can debate a little bit later on what the next avenue is going to be. Um, but first, we got to get rid of this. And so I think that by doing that, we were able to unify a lot better than if we would have allowed, you know, hey, let's let the Republicans take charge or, hey, let's let the Democrats take charge. Um, we, we, we came together under the common purpose just for this. So I have a question. The Utah Taxpayers Association, which is a nonprofit uh, group that whose goal is to try to limit state and local taxes, has come out in favor of this bill. So how do I mean, what's going on there? Um, you know, I, I think they kind of are just looking at that uh, price tag where it is promised to be a cut, uh, where, where they're saying, you know, hey, there's credits involved. It's not going to impact the uh, average everyday person because they'll be able to have these offset credits. 
Uh, plus, they also have their income tax going down. And if you were only looking at that narrow scope, absolutely, it looks like a good thing. Um, but if you have a dog, if you've got a cat, there's another tax. If you're a long-distance commuter, there's another tax that's going to really impact you. If you're a farmer, it's going to impact you. I mean, there's just so many things. If you, I mean, I one of the things I thought was when I looked at it from – I went back to my days when I was a little poor and I had a little less uh, money at all. I used a laundromat, you know, I used uh, public transportation and rideshare services, right? So I think those are things people use when they're sort of trying to pull themselves up and those things are going to be taxed. And and that was my question was, how do you decide what comes, what got, what, which services stayed on the list and which services were removed from the list? I wasn't really sure that was such a open and and uh, a, a process that I felt really good about, right? That was a, an issue that I had. We're going to take a little break here and we come back. We're going to sum up this referendum effort and also um, how people can get involved if they want and, and why, why they should care. Uh, you're listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. Hey, we're back. This is the Voices of Reason podcast. I'm Amy Donaldson, alongside my co-host, uh, my substitute co-host, Jason. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Jason Comstock, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we have Craig Bowden with us, who is uh, one of the organizers um, uh, that uh, of the referendum uh, movement that um, former Representative Cox, Fred Cox, has uh, you know started almost right after. Wasn't it like maybe two days after? This is when I heard the announcement, two or three days after the bill the tax reform bill was passed i started hearing that um there was going to be a referendum effort well and it was, i thought it was funny in the news because they were like this is so good there would there would never be a referendum well and that's then, what leadership was saying well, right who would ever right. run and a then, referendum and then, against of course, this Fred cox came in immediately and said wait a minute i have a question yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i have a plan so tell me craig what is the plan to try to get 116,000 signatures in at least 15 counties in now 30 days, 34 days? Uh, well, what we've been doing for the last couple of days, uh, on top of, you know, obviously waiting for the lieutenant governor's office to finish the paperwork, is we've been organizing into counties, and from counties we're even getting down into uh, sectioning those off into metro areas, uh, larger towns, and also people that can run things out to the rural areas as well. Um, and it's been a, an ongoing organization effort. Uh, we've got probably about, uh, I want to say about 20 people right now that are actually just focused on making sure that we have people in place that can be kind of points of contact that can, um, you know, set up events that can set, get, get packets out to people. And, uh, also we've been training, uh, you know, what kind of questions to ask people like, are you a registered voter before they sign, mm-hmm. um, are, and then also narrowing down talking points. So it, it's been about 30,000 things going on at once. And we have a lot of people that have been involved in campaigns, a lot of people that have been in, involved in petitioning, um, a lot of people that just, uh, are donating their time and their talents to get this done. Um, and everybody that I've been working with has been on the same pages with that in spite of the party differences. 
So question for you about, uh, is, can, you, can you check when you say to someone, are you a registered voter? And they say yes, and they want to sign something. Is there a way to check immediately, or do you have to take them at their word and just try to um, gather more signatures than you need? Uh, I mean, you, you can definitely verify if you think that there's a suspicion that they might not be, or if they kind of are like unsure. The lieutenant governor's website on uh, vote.utah.gov actually has the ability to check your registration status. Um, you'll need, obviously, your address, your birthday, uh, driver's license number. But essentially, uh, we could do a spot check if necessary, um, or, or if somebody's just unsure. And we're also planning on having some on-the-spot uh, electronic registration as well. So if somebody's like, you know what, I don't think I am, we can actually get you registered right then and there. Because um, as long as the registration is completed beforehand, um, their signature is valid. So that's actually, uh, that makes me like this effort more because you could go out and register people to vote, which is amazing. And people should do that anyway. Um, and then you can decide if you want to support the referendum. Exactly. Did you guys have that plan in place or is that something so that? Because the only other successful referendum has been the school voucher program, right? Um, I, I'm not or the sure. Last if there's, one. I think there might have been one back in like the 70s. Okay. Uh, that we had, um, but the most modern one would have been the school vouchers. And I think because we do have a disproportionate numbers as far as the parties go, uh, of Republicans to Democrats, it is it, on big issues. It's pretty rare that there isn't a two-thirds majority. Um, in the Senate. Mm -hmm. So this is an unusual situation. And had that one senator not left, we might be not, we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> so, so I guess, the, yeah. So how do people get involved then? If someone wants to be a part of this, whether it's collecting signatures or to give their signature, what do they need to do in order to, to uh, contact somebody to, to participate? Sure. Um, so if you're on Facebook, uh, one of the best resources is going to be the group that we set up. Uh, for the coordination effort, and you can search for that under um, it's 2019 Utah Tax Referendum, and that'll bring you uh, to the group, and you can request to go ahead and join. Another way that you can go ahead and follow along is on their page uh, by the same name. Uh, they also set up a website. Uh, it's I believe it's UT. 2019 referendum or tax referendum.com. Um, the, the specifics are on the Facebook page. If you are on Facebook, uh, that that's the best way that I've found. And most people are on social media these days anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, and just watch for the events uh, and also watch for tables at your grocery stores. Uh, cause we're going to be setting up, uh, at every grocery store we can get in front of every pet sh every pet shop that we can get in front of, every hair salon we can get in front of, um, just basically where these taxes are really going to be impacting people and letting people know. So watch for the signs, watch for, you know, people with a clipboard and coming up to you because we're going to be coming up to you. When people ask you um, why you want to be involved in this, do you do you have an answer for that? What do you, what do you say? Like a short, concise, this is why I'm doing this. Um, my, my elevator commercial is just plain and simply, uh, that, you know, the people in Utah, they deserve when there's a big tax increase like this to have their voice. 
and the Utah legislature didn't let us have their boys. Mm-hmm. So that's all we're asking is that we can have our input on this. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. Yes, thank you very much.